Well, sometimes the, uh, the second hymn fits better after the, uh, after the message. Today's one of those days, and we're celebrating communion, so we're going to split up my message uh, with the hymn Freely, Freely. And I hope by the end of this message you'll understand. <laughs> you'll understand why. Puts a little bit more pressure on me to just get right into it. This is the last week that we're going to read from uh, this text from 1 Peter chapter 2. We've read, this is actually the fourth week that we've been in this text. So if you've missed it and you're curious about what, what else we've talked about uh, in regard to this text, you could go back and listen on YouTube or, or the podcast that we have for our church as well. Hear God's word from 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many years ago when I was living in Lake City, went up to a concert in Minneapolis. It was a Christian concert and it was coming back late at night. And as you come into Lake City, uh, you, you come along a heavily wooded area that opens up to the lake. And so there's pretty common that deer would cross over there. And so I'm coming home and I, I've hit a deer in the past and I, I get, get to this spot where there's a lot of deer normally and I see one just ahead of me and it kind of alerts me to, okay, this could be bad. And then all of a sudden, I see one out of the corner of my eye, and it was just that split-second decision, like, what do I do? Do I slam on the brakes, or do I swerve, or do I speed up? And I decided in this moment, in this case, I'm going to step on it. And I did, and you know what? It worked amazingly well. <laughs> the deer, I, I missed hitting the deer head-on, and it hit the back, the back rear door of my car, and when I, I drove to my a friend's house and looked and, and checked it out, because he lived just from where I hit the deer, and I said, I better pull off and see. There's got to be some damage to the wheel or something. And I got out, and I was shocked. There was hardly any damage whatsoever, even though it sounded like quite the impact. There's just a little tiny scratch that only I would be able to see. This is pretty incredible, really. And the reason I tell you that... Uh, 
this story to open today is because this is maybe one of the clearest examples that I've had in my life of thinking, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> Gosh, it could have been worse. I could have hit that deer head on. I was going 60 miles an hour. Uh, it could have definitely bashed in the back of uh, the back door of my car where I wouldn't have been able to open it and it would have cost a lot of money. It could have been so much worse. I don't know what story you might have that kind of brings up that feeling, but I, I'd like you to think about it. You know, what? when I say it could have been worse, what comes to mind for you is probably a very different story than what I just talked about. But you know that feeling, right? You've had that feeling at some time. Maybe it was uh, a medical thing that happened, or you got in, maybe it was when you're little and you got in trouble and you thought, gosh, that would have, could have been a lot worse. <laughs> that feeling... That's mercy. That's what mercy is. When we realize, not just when it's true that it could have been worse, but when we realize that it could have been so much worse. That's mercy. God's mercy. When we realize that if it weren't for God working in our life, if it weren't for God's grace, if it weren't for the ways that God is acting in our community, in our church, in our personal lives from day to day, it could be a lot worse that's the feeling of mercy. And so that's the feeling that I communicated when I ran into uh, a young woman when Baylor and I went to the dog park and I start talking to her about my life and asking her questions about her life and I start to tell her this story of what happened to me in Lake City. And I have to see, for me, I have to kind of tell that part of the story because I tell people that I'm a pastor when I meet them. I get kind of an easy in for telling people about God. Because they say, well, when did you move here? And I say, four years ago. And say, oh, so why did you move here? Well, let me tell you, I'm the pastor. <laughs> what are you doing on Sunday at 10 o'clock? Do you want to come? <laughs> it's easier for me, and I realize that, but it's a tremendous opportunity to share what God has done in my life. So I start to talk about, you know, I used to live a very different lifestyle, and uh, I was an assistant golf course superintendent, and I be, uh, started to become involved in small group. Uh, in that church, and that's really how God started to slowly change my life. And then I start to talk about how I believe God works in our world. And you know what she said to me at one point? She says, ooh, I got chill bumps. <laughs> I'd say goosebumps. I don't know what you say. <laughs> she said, ooh, I got chill bumps. I said, oh yeah, for what? She said, well, just hearing about Jesus. Like hearing about how he works. Like I've, kn I've known about Jesus, but I didn't really know like how he works. And you know, I grew up Catholic, so uh, I don't even know, like, am I even welcome in your church? And I said, of course. Of course you are. She's a young woman. She maybe is 19 or 20. And I share that story to help you see just the practical nature sometimes of what it means to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. And we may, if we grew up in the church, we may think that just everybody knows about Jesus and how Jesus works and what all these stained glass windows mean or, or whatever it is that, that really gives you strength in your faith. We might think that, well, everybody knows these things. But that young woman that I talked to is becoming more of the norm. And really what people know instead about God is what's reflected to them of the people that call themselves Christians. So how we engage in the community, in the words that we speak, 
are more important now than ever because coming to church to hear these things and to grow in faith is not, I mean, it's obvious, right? It's, it's not the cultural norm anymore. The, there's, I'm taking a world, world religion class right now. And uh, we've got a list of all the millions of people that are in each particular religion. Christianity is, is number one. Uh, Islam is number two. You know what number three is? Non-religious. Non-religious. And that actually, especially in America, is growing more and more. People are finding it hard to understand why Christianity makes a difference. Like, why does it matter? People are becoming hyper aware of that. Like, wanting to know why. Why should I come to the church? Why should I give my money to the church? All those different things. Why should I give my time and energy? Some important things to think about. So what I did when I talked to this woman is to share what's called a testimony. That's an intimidating word. <laughs> I know that if I were to ask you, Larry, this is your assignment for the week. You need to go out and proclaim the gospel. What would you say to that, Larry? Talking to him, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that is what you would say. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, what would you say to that? <laughs> I'm guessing you wouldn't be too excited, would you? <laughs> but if I said to you, go out and make known, make it known what God has done for you this week. Make it known to people. So that might involve you sharing your words, but that involves so much more than just the words that you speak. We can't just let ourselves off the hook by saying, well, I don't know the words that you know, Pastor Chad. I didn't get trained or whatever. I would say, no, Garnan, what I want you to do, <laughs> I'm picking on you, I saw it in your eyes. What I'd like you to do is to think about how can I make God's love and God's action in the world, God's mercy, how can I make that known to people this week? Me, how can I do that? That's what Peter talks about in this part of the letter as being the purpose of being God's people. Let me read it to you again, this part. Peter, we've been talking about Peter saying, you know, we are God's precious people and we're continually being renewed and built into a spiritual house built upon the cornerstone of Jesus. And he says, you are God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we might get a little nervous when we think about uh, needing to share a testimony, but Peter says this is our purpose in order that we would proclaim the mighty acts of God. Those mighty acts, that's what Jesus has done on the cross, but it's also what Jesus has done for you. Think about, um, I read just this morning, it's amazing how God works sometimes. I read the story of the man who was possessed by legion, many demons. And everybody in town was afraid of him, and he's, uh, they're trying to shackle him, but it, the shackles couldn't even hold him. And Jesus comes and 
casts the demons out and the, the man's life has changed dramatically. And the guy begs Jesus, can I please come with you? And Jesus says, no. Go and make known the mercy that you have received. Go and proclaim these mighty acts that you've experienced. Go and tell people, show people, in his case especially, go and show people the good news. That God is real. That God is working in the world today. That God has given you some sort of freedom that you didn't previously have. That's the whole purpose of the church. And think about those disciples. They... Their lives were changed dramatically as well. They had received mercy. They had been walking in darkness. And then first they walk in the light of Christ. And they realize that this is their purpose. One that they were willing to die for. One that they were willing to be humiliated for. One that was in contrast to the, the culture that they were trying to proclaim that message in. So when we think of proclaiming the gospel, we think of people saying all these words having just the right message or maybe our pastor giving a a good sermon, but really the early church, the the way that they made God's mercy known was one dinner at a time, was helping people in ways that they needed to be helped, going into areas where sickness was prevalent and, and saying we have the courage to do the hard thing because we want to make God's power known and we want to make God's love known. It starts with just being interested in people. With being curious about them and believing, this is maybe the most important part, believing that the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. That Jesus was in fact resurrected and is working in the world today. If we believe that to be true, then anything is possible. The disciples, the earliest disciples of the church, believed that to be true. And they lived as if it were true. And it gave them the courage to face humiliation and harassment and even death because they said, well, if God is with us now and forever, then I don't have to be afraid like everybody else. And I can live in a way that's different from the rest of the culture. They were willing to love people radically and create opportunities to talk to them about who Jesus was, who Jesus was is now, how Jesus is working and the hope that Jesus offers. I met with a Buddhist the other day for an assignment and I said, so what's the hope in Buddhism? What's the hope that's offered to someone who wants to become a Buddhist? And I was shocked by this answer. For the Buddhist, there is no hope. (laughs) What? (laughs) There's no hope because if we're hoping in something, then it can be taken away from us and then we're devastated. And I, I thought to myself, Gosh, that happens a lot, even in Christianity, that we hope in things other than Jesus and they're taken away from us and then we crumble. So we're different from other religions in the world. We place our hope in Jesus and he's the one who gives us strength to move forward and to make known the mercy that we've received. It starts with just being willing to engage with people in relationship. And oftentimes, uh, they're going to be very different from us. If we're talking about uh, different from those of us in this room, I mean, they're probably going to be younger for the most part, have a totally different worldview. So how can we 
invest in them and show them, well, this is how you can know, this is how we can make known uh, God's mercy and grace is by me talking to you, being curious, asking you to go out for lunch or having you over to my house by my generosity to you and my willingness to listen, even if you say something that I don't agree with at all. You see, the whole story that I told about meeting the woman at the dog park, it started with me just saying, hey, how's your day going? And then she told me a little bit, and I looked for opportunities to hear more about her, and it wasn't until we'd been talking for like 10 minutes before there was an opportunity for me to share. And it was probably 40 minutes later before I even mentioned Jesus. You see, that whole journey of making known the gospel, of sharing my testimony, started with just saying hello. Started with being curious. Started with being genuinely interested in the the person that was standing before me. And I shared with her my story of it could have been so much worse. That's really my end for that is to say my life was going this direction and then Jesus came into my life and then it started in a new trajectory that is more amazing than I could have ever imagined. Could have been so much worse. Now what I'm guessing is for a lot of you, you say, well, that's good for you, Pastor Chad, but I don't really have a it could have been worse story. I, don't, I can't really think of an example of God's mercy in my life like you can. Because I admit it's easy for me. It's easy for me to have an in of how to talk about God. And it's also easy for me to really identify this is how I've received God's mercy. So if, for, if you're thinking about, I, I'm, I'm really not sure, then I say, that's good. That's great because that then means it's an invitation for you to go deeper in your faith, to discover more about God and more about yourself. Because if we really understood ourselves and everything that's there, we would eventually find some darkness. And when contrasted to the light of Jesus, the one who is perfect and leads us in our faith, our high priest, we would say, thank you, Jesus, for the mercy that you've shown me. The fact that you would love me this much to call me into relationship with you to guide me in this life. If we don't have a it could have been much worse story, then maybe we need to go deeper, to look more deeply within. And see, this is where we start to get into the real problem area of why we don't proclaim the gospel more often. It's because very frequently in the church we say, I'm what? Comfortable. I'm good with where I'm at. I know all that stuff about faith. And if we hold on to that perspective of Christianity, then nobody else cares. People aren't interested in knowing as much about Jesus as feeling the difference that Jesus makes when we're generous to them, when we listen to them, when they can sense the Holy Spirit within us. That's what gave that girl chill bumps, is hearing about what God has done and sensing in me that I actually did care about her. I wasn't just, you know, buying my time, looking past her, waiting for an opportunity to invite her to church. It included that, by the way. (laughs) 
So there's two things that we can do. One is we can continue to be committed to growing. And the other is we can look for just simple opportunities to invite people into the life that you're already living. A journey of self-discovery. A journey of discovering more about who God is in a totality of who God is, which takes a lifetime to... I mean, even in a lifetime, we can't figure that out. <laughs> it's a lifelong journey of discipleship. And this is the good news for us today, is that as we discover the ways that it could have been much worse... We can relate to other people. And then this is the key part is that we flip the story for ourselves and for others to say, it can be so much better. It can be so much better to walk with Jesus in this life. It can be so much better to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It can be so much better to experience peace, joy, and hope in a world that says that those things are ridiculous and that truth is subjective. It can be so much better to know our purpose in life and to know some of the reasons why, according to Jesus, things are the way they are. Taking our stories of it could have been so much worse, God's mercy, understanding God's mercy and flipping them to how it can be so much better with Jesus. And that's talking about God's grace. So I wonder, friends, where are you at in this whole spectrum of possible steps? What's the next step for you? And that's what we're going to talk about, Zach, when you flip the uh, reflection questions here.